You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. This series called Foundations is all about what our church is focused on, what we're all, what, what we're about. That's, that's what this series is about, is what Real Life Church is all about. So we've been working through that, and Thad started this off by unity, because we can't get anywhere unless we're united. Uh, and that was one of the things that he was just trying to draw together. Uh, Paul, the apostle, likes to use the, the metaphor of the body of Christ, and, and that's the idea of what a church is. And so if you want your body to function well, it needs to you know, be unified. It has to be working together. If your arm's trying to do something and your leg's trying to do something else, it's not going to go very well. So we need to be unified. And, and then the, next, or the last two weeks that we've been going through this series, he's been talking about what are we unified about? What do we need to be unified about? And the first thing was our purpose. What is our purpose as real life church? And this is something you're going to hear a lot. It's something that we want you to hear a lot. It's something I'm going to say in this sermon a lot. You're going to be like, oh, he said it again. Again, I'm not here to teach you new things. I'm here to tell you what you already know. And uh, that, that our purpose is helping people know and become like Jesus. That's going to be plastered in our new building. We're going to have it everywhere. You're going to hear it a lot because we want everything we do to be about that. Because that's what we're here for. That's what this church exists for. So every event, every service, every small group, everything that we do is geared towards helping people know and become like Jesus. So that's, that's the first thing that we need to be unified on. That's our goal. That's what we're striving together for. If we're a team, we need to be on the same page about what winning looks like, what, the, what we are supposed to achieve, right? If you're on a team, like we got the Super Bowl coming up next week, if you're on a, a football team and you have a different idea of what winning the game looks like, one person thinks it's uh, who punts the ball the most, that's person's not going to that person's not going to help the team win the actual game. And so that's why we all need to be on the same page and unified about what our purpose is, what our goal is. And that, as we said, is helping people know and become like Jesus. So uh, if you're on board with that, then welcome. You're part of the team. Awesome. Uh, we're glad to have you. We're glad to be unified. If you're, if you're struggling with that, uh, then talk with us about it. We'd love to discuss with you why we believe that's the thing we should be striving for. The second thing that we need to be unified about is strategy, and we talked about that last week. That, uh, again, using a sports metaphor in the Super Bowl coming up, uh, there's something called a playbook, right? Every football player has to memorize their playbook. If they're on offense, they have to memorize the offensive playbook. If they're on defense, they have to memorize the defensive playbook. So that when the coach or player calls the play, they say whatever the play is, they're not going to sit there and lay out, okay, so this play is this, so you need to go do this, and you need to do that. No, they say the play, and everybody knows what their job is, because they've memorized their playbook. They know what they're doing. And so uh, all they have to do is say, we're doing this play, and they call the play, and then everyone knows, okay, this is my job, and I know what we're doing because I know the play. I've memorized the playbook. If you go to a new team, then it's going to be kind of confusing. You have to learn a new playbook because you're not going to know what the plays are. Here at Real Life Church Pullman, we believe that uh, what our playbook is, is relational discipleship. And we see that in the process of share, connect, minister, and disciple. Another thing that you're going to hear a lot of, because we want to be on the same page. We want to be calling the same place so that we can achieve our goal, which is helping people know and become like Jesus. You see that I'm saying it a lot? And I'm going to keep doing that. We're going to keep doing that. 
because we want to be on the same page. We want to be unified around our goal and our mission. So uh, we're Share Connect Minister Disciple. That's all about relational discipleship, which is what we believe is the way to help people know and become like Jesus, is that we get in relationship with him, we care about them, we walk through life with him, and then we walk through this path of spiritual maturity, which starts with sharing, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news about Jesus, sharing what God has done for us. That's, that's the first step. Then the next step is connecting. We believe that as your spiritual maturity grows and you've learned about God, that you need to connect into a small group. Connect in a group of like-minded people that are going along this journey with you because you can't do it alone. And then in that next step, you're going to be ministering. That, that now your faith is not just going to be about you. This is a big step, and I've witnessed it, and this is awesome. When your faith stops being about you receiving and you starting to give. And then you move into discipleship where you're not just helping people learn about God, but you're helping disciple disciplers who are going to move on to the next stage and, and start ministering themselves. And so this is just the process that we see in the spiritual maturity journey uh, that we're all about, and that's our playbook. That's what we're calling. And when we're saying, uh, when we're using that language, we're, we're trying to be unified on our strategy, how we're accomplishing our purpose, which is helping people know and become like Jesus. So today, we're closing this series off with this word, deploy, uh, which if you don't know what it means, it means to put yourself in position for action, to move into position for action. That's, that's you taking that step. It's a military term, that's so it's like uh, in the military, you'd be moving into position to fulfill your command, right? But notice it's not saying go and do something, it's saying put yourself in position to do something. And I like that we're using this word as, as the final thing because God, uh, God often calls us not to just go and do something because he wants to be a part of it and he wants to be part of what God is going, what, what he's going to do. But he does call us to go and be in position. Be ready. Be on your toes. You know, be ready to, to serve God and be ready to be maybe inconvenienced and in, uncomfortable. He's calling you to be ready and so that's what we're talking about today. How, how can we move in position to be ready for what God has for us, to be ready for what God wants to do with us? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and the verse we're going to look at is Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen and 20. If you don't know, you've probably heard this verse thousands of times. You've probably heard it a lot because that's where we derive our purpose from. That's where we derive uh, a lot of our mission from in the church. You've probably heard it preached over and over again. But again, I'm not here to teach you something new. I'm here to remind you of what you already know and maybe call you to do something about it. So, uh, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Let's read it together. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Does anyone know what this is called? We have a Christian term for it. Anyone know? The Great Commission. That's right. It's called the Great Commission. And it's Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. Jesus has already lived his life. He's already ministered. He's already taught. He's already performed miracles. He's already died on a cross. He's already rose again. And now he's giving his disciples his very last words as he ascends into heaven, and we call it the Great Commission. And you've probably, like I said, heard it lots of times. Uh, what I wanted to do is break it down and go through it. Also something you've probably heard before. 
Uh, the first part that he says is, therefore, go. Right? That's how he begins this phrase. Therefore, go. And if you've been around church long enough, you've probably heard this phrase. Wh- what it, what's significant about therefore? You have to find out what it's therefore. therefore. That's right. There you go. Uh, some of you guys are Christian nerds. That's good. Um, yeah, you have to find out what therefore is therefore. Um, basically, what it is is a conditional phrase that connects two ideas. Uh, whenever you see therefore, he's saying therefore, based on what I just said, do this. So it's that connecting phrase, and you always have to go back and see what they're talking about. Uh, in this case, I believe what Jesus is talking about is literally everything. Everything that they've gone through, the whole ministry that they've just walked through, everything that he's taught them, everything he's talking to his disciples, everything that he's uh, walked through life, everything that they've witnessed him do, all the people that he's uh, met with, all the marginalized people he's talked to and, and cared about, all the Pharisees that he condemned, all the miracles that he performed, everything that Jesus has done up to this point, and then dying on a cross and raising again, based on all of that, therefore, based off everything that you've already seen and witnessed, go. Therefore, go. So that's connecting those two ideas. First of all, I've shown you, and I've walked with you, I've taught you, I've shown you all the things that I've called you to do. Now, go. And I love that this should be uh, I, I love that he's saying this, and I think it's based on what happened after he resurrected. See, Jesus, he died on a cross, was buried, and, and three days later he rose again. And we know this. Uh, but when he found his disciples, he found them kind of going back to what they already knew, fishing. Doing what they were doing before Jesus called them into ministry. And to their credit, you know, it was probably a, a difficult time. You know, a difficult time for them to go through this long journey, to fall in love with this man and and walk alongside life with him and have their life completely, radically changed by him and and be so excited and have every day just be a new, awesome day. Like, that must have been a cool journey, but this moment after he's dead, it's got to be tough for them. Like, wow, what is going on? I thought we were building to something, but now I'm not so sure. And I'm sure any one of us would have had doubts at that moment. So what do they do? They go back to what they knew how to do. Like, well, okay, I don't know what to do now, so I'm going to go back to what I, I was doing before. And so Jesus finds them there and, and calls them back. And as he's leaving, as he's ascending into heaven, he's telling them, go. Don't just go back to what you know. Do something different. And what I recognize that is it, the gospel should change your life. Life with Christ, Jesus, the message of what he's done for you and who he is should change you. You shouldn't be the same person. You shouldn't go back to doing the same things. If you can hear the gospel and, and actually believe it, it should impact your life. It should look different. Now, if you're anything like me, you may not know that difference. For the disciples, they were older. Uh, they, they've already lived some of your life. And maybe for you, when you first encountered the gospel, you were older. And so you can definitely tell the distinction between life knowing Christ and life not knowing Christ. You can see that distinction and know, okay, yeah, I'm definitely different. Me, I was four years old when my sister came home from Sunday school and told me I was going to hell. I cried. Um, but it's okay. She told me the answer. I just had to pray. And I prayed that prayer a thousand times. I, I kid you not. 
that was my moment at four years old. So I don't really remember what it was like to be four and not have Jesus in my life. I don't know what it was like to go back not knowing Christ. But I, I do know this feeling in my heart that pulls me away from time to time that says, you know what, it's better to live for yourself. It's better to be selfish. It's better to do your own thing and look out for yourself because nobody else is going to care about you as much as you will. So go and enjoy your life the way you want to. But that's always met with the knowledge that I was raised with and the knowledge that I have and the spirit inside me that says, no, let's live for other people. Let's live for Christ. Let's make a difference in the world around me and do something good. And so I can tell. I can, I, even though I never actually really got to live out that life, I know, I know the difference and I can feel it. And some days, to be honest, I answer that selfish call and say, you know what, yeah, today is going to be about me. So I know what it looks like. I know the difference, and maybe you do too. If you're anything like me, and this was an early moment in your life, uh, you can still see the difference that Christ makes in your life. You can still see how he's transformed you and how the gospel leads to a changed life. It just does. If you really believe in it, if you really believe in what Jesus has done for you, your life is different, and you know that. So he's calling them to go. Don't go back to what you know Uh, Don't go back to what you've done before. Go and do something new, something that I've called you to, something that you've witnessed in him. So he's calling his disciples to go. And the next uh, thing that he says is uh, this phrase um, that all flows together, um, that after you go, what you're supposed to do is make disciples of all nations. Then you're baptized them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything Jesus has commanded them. So that order is disciple, baptize, teach. This is something that I think is kind of interesting. Notice the order, the flow. It's not teach, baptize, disciple. It's disciple, baptize, teach. And this is what I I recognize about Jesus. I think this order is significant. I think that there's a reason Jesus said it in this way. He says, disciple first, then baptize, and then teach, because I don't think anyone's ever taught into Jesus. I don't think anyone's ever taught into a changed life. I, I, I can sit here and try to teach you, but if you were, and, and you've probably experienced this when you're encountering people that are just stubborn and saying, no, I don't want to do that. You can teach and teach and teach and tell them everything about Jesus, but it doesn't really change their lives, and you're probably in the same boat that you weren't really taught into this. If you think through it, it wasn't the words that someone said, it was the actions that they did for you. It's the life that they lived and the way they came around you, that's what changed your life and helped you believe in the gospel. It was someone discipling you, walking along life with you and helping you see what Christ's love really looked like. Because it wouldn't have meant anything to you. Their words wouldn't have meant anything to you if you didn't actually care what they had to say. And the only way you learn how to care what people have to say is when they, you know, show they care about you. They walk along life with you, and then you start to say, oh, okay, there's something different about this person. There's something different about the way they're approaching me. There's something different about the way they live their life. I want to know what that is. And you've been discipled. Before you even know it, you've been discipled. Someone did life with you and had relationship with you and showed you what Jesus' love looks like. And that's what ultimately led you to him yourself. And then you move into baptism, right? So you've been discipled, now you move into baptism, which is you making that commitment yourself to finally say, I'm putting my life away, God. I'm giving it over to you. 
This is, this is me saying, God, I, it's not about me. I don't want my life to be about me. I want you to have it. And so uh, that's what baptism symbolizes, you being buried with Christ and raising again into new life, new life, new purpose. And then you move into teaching. Now, now that you believe in Jesus, now that uh, you have accepted him into your heart, now that you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, now you can be, teach, be taught. You have ears to hear. You have a heart that is moldable because you already believe. Now you're ready to listen. I've seen this in youth students as a youth pastor. I have wasted many a breath trying to teach kids into Jesus and finding that it's not that successful. It's not successful at all, actually. But just showing up and being in their life, showing that I care about them, picking them up from who knows wherever they need a ride from, and caring about them, asking them about their life, asking them about what's going on, helping them afford to go to camp and helping them live their lives. And as I walk alongside them, suddenly what I say makes a difference, not because I said it differently or said it the right way, but because I cared about them. And uh, it's taken me a long time to learn this. It's taken me a long time to learn the process that I can't just say the right way or say things the right way to lead people to Jesus. I've got to actually get in their life and care about them. And that's what leads them to Jesus. And then after that, once they've been led to Christ, now I can teach them. Now I can help them learn. Now I can help them grow. But it's got to be in that order. It, it can't go the other way around. And like I said, it's, it's taken me a long time to learn it because I was doing it the wrong way. I thought, I thought I was pretty convincing. I thought I could say things the right way and convince everybody to do what I wanted them to do. But it doesn't work like that. Uh, You've got to earn your place in their life and your voice in their life. Uh, so... That's, uh, that's the order that Jesus gives his disciples. Go, disciple, uh, of, disciple, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey the, everything I have commanded them. And then this, this part of the Great Commission is what I like to call, or I've heard this before, so I'm not going to take credit. Someone called it one time, the Great Omission. The part that's omitted from uh, the, the Great Commission, that people forget about this part, which is the final part of verse 20, which says, there, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Where Jesus says, I'm going to be with you. To his disciples, I'm going to be with you. Just because he's ascending into heaven doesn't mean he's leaving them. He says, I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. You want to know something interesting about that Greek word always? Do you know what it means? It means always. <laughs> it means always. He's not saying some of the time. He's not saying part of the time. He's not saying most of the time. He's saying always. One of the things that I love about our faith and, and what we believe in and who we believe in is that Jesus didn't ask us to do something. He didn't do himself first. And he's never asking us to do it alone. And that's something that we have to remember as we go forward, as we go, our life being changed and we're on now a new purpose to help people know and become like Jesus. We're, we're set out to do this and we're, we're going to make disciples. We're going to help baptize them and then we're going to teach them. We're not going to do that alone. First of all, Jesus did it for us first. That's awesome. But he's also going to go with us every step of the way. We don't have to do it alone. And that's the part that often gets omitted. We remember the parts of what we're supposed to do. We forget the part that Jesus says, I'm going to go with you. Don't forget that part. Something that, uh, just to help 
understand the significance of this is, so I've been walking through this process with uh, my now fiance. Um, it's been hard. She's Brazilian, if you don't know. So she normally lives in Brazil. Uh, and so it's been a, it's, a, it's a long process of long distance relationships, not super easy. Thankfully, technology makes it a little more uh, accessible, but it's not easy, especially during a pandemic. Uh, and to be honest, me and my fiance, Isadora is her name, me and Isa, we talk about it and we bring up the fact that, you know what, I don't know that if, if we did this on our own, first of all, we probably wouldn't have ever met, but we couldn't have done it without her sister and brother-in-law. We couldn't have done it because we're not the, wow, that was loud. We couldn't have done it on our own. Like, we couldn't have done it without someone showing us an example that it could be done, and we couldn't have done it without someone walking alongside us every step of the way, helping us with the process. And Sean and Isabelli, um, they're two people in our church, and they, I owe them a ton. Like, I think about this all the time. If people, there's, a, if there's a, some people in my life that, like, I know I will never repay for all the good that they've done in my life. Sean and Isabelli are rocketing up that list because of what they've done, and, and they walked through this. They did a long-distance relationship for two and a half years. They walked through what it was like to, to have that kind of relationship, so we knew that it was possible because they did it first. And then on top of that, they're helping us navigate the process by walking alongside us, so that not only does it seem possible because they set the example, but then on top of that, they're helping us actually live it out. That's what Jesus is saying to all of his disciples, and that's what I believe he's saying to all of you. I'm not just going to model it and do it for you first and show you what a life on mission looks like. I'm also going to walk alongside you and be there for you every step of the way, always. So that's, that's the Great Commission. That's what Jesus gives to his disciples, and that's what we have derived from that, our purpose and our strategy. We as a church, we're, we're here to help people know and become like Jesus, and we're here to follow that path of spiritual maturity and we're going to be united together on, this, on the, this goal and this way of doing things. Because that's what Jesus left us to do. That's what he's called us to do. And, and you've already heard this. Like I said, you've already heard this. This isn't new. This isn't something you haven't heard before. It's something that you already know. And I firmly believe that if, if everyone in this room who believes this, who truly believes this and is already following Christ, just lived out what you already know, we'd be making a huge impact in the world. But the reality is sometimes we come into church, and I, I'm no different, wanting to learn new things rather than live out the things we already know. So that's what this week's all about. That's what we're moving forward is all about. And I don't know if you know our senior pastor, Thad. He, uh, he's not much of a talker. Like, I mean, let me... Let me preface that by saying he, he will talk for a while if you give him an opportunity, which we do every week. But what I mean is if you sit in a room and you're talking about doing something and you want to talk, oh, well, we should do this or we should think about that, at some point, Thad's going to get up and it won't take very long and he's just going to start doing the thing. Whatever you were t- discussing, he's just going to start doing it because that's just who Thad is. He wants to act. He wants to do. He doesn't want to talk about doing good things. He wants to go out and do them. He's not going to sit there and think about all the different ideas. He's going to launch the plane without any wings and say, we're going to do some good. We'll figure out how to do it on the way. As a staff member, sometimes that's a little nerve-wracking. Not going to lie to you. Sometimes I'd like to talk a little more. 
But the reality is I'm very grateful to be part of a church that's actually doing something. I'd be, <laughs> I, I would be so frustrated if we just talked about how great Jesus was and never actually did anything about it. And so I'm grateful to be at this church. And, and, and just so you know, if, you, if you're going to be part of us, if you're going to be part of the Real Life Church family, you're going to be part of Thad's leadership. And Thad's leadership is, is to do, is to go and, and actually make disciples and actually make a difference in people's lives. We're not here just to learn and to grow ourselves. We're here to actually go out. And so that's what we're all about here. And if, if that sounds like something you want to be a part of, then you're in the right place. I'm going to finish with a few questions. Actually, just two and then uh, a statement. So, first question that I have for you to ponder, talk about in your small groups, talk about with somebody else. Where are you? If you don't know uh, the Share Connect Minister Disciple, you can talk to any of the staff members or anyone that just went to Equip. We just had our Equip conference last weekend. It was awesome. Uh, And anyone that went there learned about what this process is uh, and helping you identify where you're at in your spiritual maturity. Where are you right now? Uh, and it's, there's, no, there's no judgment in that. It, there's no like saying, oh, okay, you're only here. No, there's no levels of Christianity. It's just, just this walk of learning and growing. Just like there's no judgment for a child acting like a child. They're, they're just a, they're a kid. It's okay. They're going to learn. They're going to grow. And that's just the process that we have experienced in real life. And we want to help you with that. And we can. So where are you? Where are you in this spiritual maturity? Where are you right now? Do you need to learn more? Do you need to actually hear more of the gospel because it hasn't really come into your life yet? You haven't fully grasped it yet. Do you need to be walked alongside and, and helped understand what the gospel looks like? Or have you already believed the gospel? Or you already have your faith in Christ, but you're not really connected to anybody. Do you need to connect? Is that the next step for you, that you need to connect with somebody or a small group of people that'll help you walk the next journey? Or are you to the next phase where, you know what, I've been connected. I need to start helping. I need to start sharing. I need to start ministering and be part of leading that connection. Are you beyond even that and ready to like, no, I'm, re- I'm ready to take ground. I'm ready to make disciples. Not just helping people know about Jesus, but I want to help people learn how to disciple others. Where are you at in that journey? There's two ends of this spectrum. There's some Christians that will be overly humble and say, oh, I'm probably not very far, you know. You know, the Ron Littles of the group that are like, oh, I have so much to learn. You know, not, not calling you out again, Ron. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. You, you might be overly humble in saying, I'm not there yet. No, don't, don't do that. God's done a lot of work in your life. Acknowledge that. God's helped you become a whole new person. Acknowledge that. Acknowledge where you're at and humbly say, I am, I'm ready to make disciples because God's done a lot of work in my life and I'm ready to do what he's called me to do, Ron. So, <laughs> but there's another end of the spectrum where you're, uh, a little, and sometimes what I fall on, a little arrogant, where you just like, oh, I got this. I'm ready to change the world. I, I can stand on a stage and, and do anything else. I can make as many disciples as necessary. I, I'm ready to go. Sometimes we need to temper ourselves and acknowledge, like, well, maybe we have a little more to learn. Maybe we need to be mentored a little more. 
uh, and not and not quickly jump to that. So don't fall on either end of those spectrums too far. Just sober, have some sober judgment and recognize where are you. If you need some help, get a second opinion. Find somebody in your life that has walked this spiritual maturity, maybe someone on staff, maybe someone that you know and trust that's gone to, and been a part of church for a long time and they know you well. Ask them, where do you think I am? Where am I? Because they might surprise you. They might help you be, realize, oh, I'm a little farther along than I thought. Uh, maybe I need to take the next step. Which leads us to our second question. What's your next step? What's the next step forward? If you've been learning, you need to get connected. If you're connected, then you need to start to learn how to minister. If you're ministering, then you need to learn how to disciple. What is the next step for you? Think about that. Think about where you're moving and, and the direction you want to go. And finally, take it. That's it. It's not a question. It's just do it. Again, this week's not about learning something new. It's about doing what you already know. Do it this week. Take that next step. If you're needing a group, join a small group. That's what we do here. We like to, we push our small groups. And the reason we push our small groups is because we really believe in them. I know myself and I know everyone else around me. We all really believe in what small groups do. That it's one thing to come to a church on Sunday and hear a message and hear a sermon that might help you learn something and might help you grow in some way in, in the way you think, but what's actually going to change your life is being in a relationship with people that are doing the same thing, that believe the same thing. You be a part of a small group, that will actually change your life, and that's why we push it so often, because as much as I can do standing on a stage trying to teach you, it's not going to change your life any. What's going to change your life is you being a part of a small group. And if you're already a part of a small group, you've been a part of that, maybe that's the next step is you to help start lead a small group. You're already doing that. Maybe next next step is you're going to help lead leaders. Take your next step. Deploy. Put yourself in position for God to use you. He's, he's ready. He's looking for you. It's up to you to, to get ready for him. Um, if you look on the back of your notes, if you have some, uh, there should be a list of small groups that we have coming up. In fact, uh, if you're not connected at all yet, or maybe you're just interested in one of these things, we've got some cool options for you to get in, involved in something that might interest you, something that might uh, impact you personally. So uh, they're, they're just a small taster of what small groups are all about. Our goal is to help you get into an environment, something that helps you grow uh, in a particular area, but also helps you get used to having a small group of people and then hopefully that'll get you connected to another group which you'll be able to do life with. So whether you're a college student and you're only here for a certain amount of time, whatever the case may be, this is perfect for you. Jump, jump into one of those and write it on your connection card saying, I want to connect and we'll have an opportunity to register for these. They're coming up in a couple weeks. But I just wanted to get them on your, on your radar right now so you can look through them and get ready for them and maybe invite some other people so you don't have to go alone. Go with somebody else you already know and say, hey, come do this small group with me. It's only for six weeks. Let's do it together. So that's there for you. Uh, and that's the next step that I think you should take. Everyone, grab your communion cups. This is something that uh, helps us remember that Jesus did this first, right? That Jesus calls us to, 
sacrifice our lives and give them back to him, that this isn't just about something that we learn about, this is something that we're actually called to do. So when we take communion, we're, we're not only agreeing that we love Jesus and believe in him and what he's done for us, but we're also saying we're willing to do the same. That just like our arms, and he said, this is my body, which I am breaking for you. Take and eat, everyone. Then he passed the cup and said, this represents my blood, which I will shed for you. Take and drink. Let's pray real quick. Jesus, thank you for doing this first. Thank you for walking with us every step of the way. I pray, Lord, that we don't forget that fact. And that we can be a church that goes and actually does what we believe in. What you've given for us to do. That we live out our purpose. Help us be successful in that. Guide us to where we're supposed to go next. We are here and we're moving in position to be used by you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.